if you can identify what matters most to you, it can help you gain clarity of how to spend your time, how to build boundaries around it that'll keep you more motivated to do it, how to build a culture and to lead with your authentic self, and then how to navigate through some of that conflict. And then ultimately um, what the framework does is teaches you how to sustain this thing that you've just built for yourself. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. Hi there, friends. I am thrilled to announce that I've written my first book. It's called Values First how knowing your core beliefs can get you the life and career you want. I have poured my heart into this book with personal stories and stories from coaching clients using the values first framework. Between the constant pressure of job performance and demands on your time, it's easy to lose sight of your values, letting them shift out of alignment. Those simple misalignments are keeping you from feeling joyful and fulfilled. Learn how to recenter your life and career around what truly matters to you in Values First. Values First will be launching and available for purchase on April 12th. I want to make sure that you are the first to know about every book launch activity that we have in store, including the minute that the book is available and every online and in-person book launch celebration. So stay up to date by joining our list at thecatchgroup.com slash values first. That's the catchgroup.com slash values first. Welcome to you belong in the C-suite podcast. I am not Laura Eigel. I am Lauren Marie Fleming. And today we have a very, very special episode where I am going to interview Laura all about her new book values first. I am beyond excited about this book. I have had the pleasure of seeing it from start to finish, and I am so excited to dig in with Laura today and show you exactly how this values first book and the framework within it got started. So let's get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast, Laura. I am excited to switch the seat with you and get you to share it. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? And I know that people are used to having you in the host seat, but I would love for you to just give us a little overview of who you are as a person in case they, one, are new to the podcast or two, haven't gotten to get to know you in particular during your past episodes interviewing other people. Well, thank you, Lauren. And it's really weird to be on the other side. I bet. It's great though. It'll be fun. (laughs) It is. I'm excited about it. 
Um, so who am I? So I am the founder of the Catch Group, which is exciting to say, an executive consulting firm that believes that we need more diversity and authenticity in the C-suite. And that's what I get to do every single day. I get to coach clients and senior leadership teams and different people in one-on-one -on -one coaching and group coaching to do that. Who else am I? I am a mom to two boys that are in elementary school. Um, I'm a wife to Brian. We've been married for almost 13 years, so that's exciting. Um, I'm a new dog mom. We have a new puppy named Basil, who's adorable and so adorable. He's a golden doodle that looks more like a golden than a doodle. And um, so that keeps us busy. Um, I'm also a sister. I'm one of four siblings. Um, I'm Italian. I live in Texas. <laughs> Lots of different things. And I think I'm, I'm a person that has really lived my life by my values, even before I realized that I was doing it, right? So that was a, a core piece of growing up for my family. And um, growing up, I was always that kind of people pleaser, um, teacher's pet, did really good in school, got straight A's, all the stuff, honors classes, uh, graduated college in three years, got my PhD, all, the, all those kinds of things. That was how, <laughs> that was what success looked like for me, um, was achievement. And that's how I, I kind of showed up in the world. And then I got to work and then it, it kind of doesn't happen the same way anymore. No, it doesn't. Yeah. No. And so, and so I got to, you know, I, I was in consulting for a couple of years and, and then I got to move into corporate where I got to do a ton of really cool jobs, work for a bunch of really great people, got to learn a ton of things. And that was one of the reasons why I became an organizational psychologist is because I just love to learn. I'm a continual learner, lifelong learner, as you would say, I guess. And so I love to learn about different things and learn from people who, who know how to do stuff, who are really great at it. And that's why I think I love coaching people too, because, you know, you get to understand what they love and you get to learn from them and then you get to help them you know, through that self-discovery process to be even better. You know, you said something that I think really resonated with me and I'd love to delve into that a little bit more. You said you have lived your values even before you realized you were doing it. And I'd love to know what that, what that looked like to you. What does it mean for you to have lived your values before you had a definition of what it meant to live your values? Yeah. Well, I, I was one of four kids, right? And so one of the things that was important to me growing up was just fairness. Like, I think I used to count Christmas presents, like how many, <laughs> how many <laughs> like how many, <laughs> um, and so when I was little, I think fairness was very important to me. Um, fairness now looks very different in that, um, that's evolved to my, uh, my current value of advocacy, right. Of, yeah. you know, seeing and knowing when something isn't right and trying to do something about it. And so that's, when, you know, that's just a silly story of, you know, when I was little, that's what it meant to me, like within the family unit. Um, but I, I think it's always having like a, a internal compass of how I feel about something and then telling somebody about it 
or even probably overthinking it. Um, I've mentioned before that I'm an introvert. So that's a big part of who I am too, right? And so um, I think a lot, I process a lot. You know, I, I like to talk about stuff. Um, I like to resolve conflict as well. That was another probably thing that I did. I still do in my family unit, family of origin. People come to me. Uh, I'm a coach, right? So people come to me for advice. I like to give advice or listen um, and suggest different things or ask different questions. And so that's something that I've just kind of always done. I think when I, to your question in terms of what did that look like growing up, that's kind of what it was like um, being that friend that people would come to, to get that advice and to, you know, give that advice from my, my experience, if I could. Um, or steer people in different directions, which really meant, you know, what do they think that they should do? What matters to them? Which is at the end of the day, that's what values are, right? That's exactly what this is, is trying to figure out what matters most and how does that show up? I love that definition too, because that, I think we're like, what do you value? And that, that the idea of valuation changes depending on what C-suite you're aiming for, right? Like how we use the term value and valuation and our values all changes. And so I love your idea of like, what do we stand for? What are we about? Let's stick to the idea of your childhood. Let's stick to the topic of your childhood for a bit. Indulge me. Did little Laura, was she creative? Was she a writer? Did she ever think that she would grow up and have a book about to come out in the world? So little Laura was very sentimental and I would actually, I did make books for people as presents. And so I love that idea. Yeah. So I used to make books. Like, I think we still have a couple of them, like the early versions. Um, They would be poems or, or books that I would put, you know, do the illustration and Usually it was, or it would be like for a Father's Day present. Um, I even, um, so this was little all the way to like in teenage years. I remember my best friend Helena at the time, we were going to two different colleges and I made her this beautiful like collage of like all of our pictures that we had and um, basically like a a memory book, but I put it together as like a book for a present for her as we uh, went to two separate colleges. So um, that was how I was probably the most creative. I was also, a—I don't know if you know this, I, I was a creative writing minor, uh, psychology major. How have we worked <laughs> together for so long on your book and your writing? And I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I was a creative writing minor. So my question then is what, what stopped at what point did the world tell you it wasn't okay to send books out to the world to other people like when did you when did that minor in creative writing kind of cut off was it the when you entered corporate like or did you keep that going um no I think it it morphed um writing then became a different thing that I did for graduate school and so writing um the function of writing became okay now I'm writing essays and I'm in graduate school and I'm writing papers and I'm writing a thesis and then I'm on my PhD and I'm reading and I'm writing and I'm writing a dissertation. And so it became less um, creative and it became more, you know, psychology based and it became just a function of the job I was doing then at school. So that's, and then when I went into work, I just kind of stopped writing altogether because at work you have to be concise. Right. And so instead of writing uh, hundreds of 
pages in a dissertation, I have to then write a, a, a very short PowerPoint presentation that somebody's actually going to read and do something about. So yeah, I, I think in graduate school is where it probably changed. And then I just got out of the habit. What was the inkling that made you think, hmm, maybe it's time to write a book. I have this idea. Did the idea come first for the book or did the idea to want a book come first? What came first, the chicken or the egg, the book or the book idea? I think in my mind, as just as a kid, to your point, this idea of I was, I used to always want to be an author or I, you know, that was part of that has always been in the back of my mind. And as I, as I was in corporate, you know, we were in the middle of the pandemic and it wasn't that I had time. I had the opposite of time, but what I found again was journaling. And so I started journaling and that became just another time that, you know, after the kids went to bed, I could write down just different things and, you know, different things were popping up. It was hilarious. Like I would start writing one thing and then like just a story would pour out of me. So I think it's always been in the back of my mind, but it became more salient during the pandemic. What made you finally go from that person who journaled during the pandemic to somebody who actually said, okay, I'm going to these, take these thoughts and try to turn them into a book. What made you decide to take that step? Um, you actually, <laughs> so we're in a common Facebook group and I saw a post that you did, um, about a program that you had called write your friggin' book already. And I was like, that is that for me? Because yeah, I, I totally feel like, like it's something that I've always wanted to do, but never had a chance. And so I scheduled a call with you. And so that was just kind of this thing that kind of brought it to action. And then I tried to cancel the call with you. You did. You tried to cancel the call and I didn't let you. You didn't. And I was, I'm so happy you didn't, but I had like a kid issue and I was like, Hey, I can't make it. And you were like, remember there's a 24 hour cancellation policy. And I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I promise I'll figure it out. I'll be, I'll be there. Yeah. And it was a free call. Yeah. Yeah. I, I meet so many people who canceled their calls with me at the last minute because their life is chaotic or they're, you know, if you have a real reason, I'm going to let you cancel the call. And not that your reason wasn't real, but there was something underlying it that felt like there was a little bit of, is this ever anything I'm going to actually have time for? And so I just pushed you gently and was like, you did, you're very kind. Maybe like you can do this. You can show up for yourself. There's always going to be kids issues. There's always going to be something happening. Like, let's, let's just chat. It's just 20 minutes out of your life. Let's do it. Yeah. And what did you think on that call? When we were talking through, we were solidifying the, these journal entries you'd done and thinking, okay, could we turn this into a book? How did that feel to actually start talking about it being a book? You know, we've talked about this in the past, but it's, um, it's so interesting to rehash because at that time, you know, I hadn't really told anybody that I was even thinking about doing this. So this is like very, you know, and I was in the C-suite at the time and I didn't have time to do any of this. I was thinking about a career transition to coaching, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. And you said the world needs to hear this story. Like they need to see that a person that is 
that is an introvert can be in these big jobs and they need to hear your voice. And it was really interesting because I, I don't know that I believed it then, even then Lauren, I don't even know if I believed it, but I believed in enough to say, okay, well maybe. And then I thought about it after we got off of our call. And then I was like, you know, this could be really interesting. It's a way to kind of figure out some of the content that I've been thinking about that I've been coaching clients pro bono for a couple of years on, I had been kind of noodling around with a lot of things. And so I thought, well, this could be a really great way to just get it all out of my head. Right. And so I, you know, I, I thought this book can be a a way to talk about my coaching framework and that's what it'll be. It's definitely not going to be about me. We sat down. I'm glad you brought this up. We sat down for our first coaching call and Laura, I, we, I was like, okay, what is this book? What is this book? Cause Laura just had all these journal entries, right? All these, these writings. I wasn't even sure yet what was happening with the book. And, and I was like, so what is the book and what is not the book? Let's start with what it's not to help you figure out what it is. And she was very, very adamant that it was absolutely would not have anything about her in it. Nothing at all about her at all. Uh, Laura, what's your book about? Um, it might be a bit about me a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> it's the totally, book. The book is totally about my career and my it's it's com- it's about my career. It's also about my coaching framework, the values first framework, but it is based on stories about my career, leaders that I've worked with that have influenced my career and about people that I've worked with. So um yes, uh my initial <laughs> My initial um, thought that it wouldn't have anything to do with about me is, was fault. That is incorrect. Incorrect. (laughs) And I think this is great that you brought this up because I think that it, it shows two things that you just said. One, your initial idea was like, it's not going to be about me. It's just going to be this framework. It's just going to be like facts. And, and you mentioned that you didn't know if you even had a, like, if you believed in your book yet, and you said something like sometimes all we need is someone to believe in our story so we can too right you said that having me say actually this is a great story it needs to be out there I don't say that to everybody I tell people let's go flesh that idea out a little bit more but you had this people need to see introverts in the c-suite making it in corporate America they need to feel like women can make it in corporate America and other minorities can make it in corporate America or underrepresented communities so by having someone just say like, Hey, I believe in your story. You can do it. And I think that actually opened you up that first meeting. You were, you definitely not ready yet to even embrace your story. You were like, okay, I can write a book. That's just about the framework. But through the process, I watched you open up and realize that by sharing your experience, I, and other people who read this book, all y'all listening can really see themselves in your story and see what they may or not may or not have done the same or differently. One of my favorite parts of this book is that you show a situation in which you didn't stand up for yourself. Then you show a situation in which you kind of stood up for yourself or did show, stand up for yourself. And then you so, show a situation where you stood up for someone else. And that progression we all go through, right? So by telling your story and showing us how you changed and, and matured and stepped into your own power of being able to stand up for yourself, you make me feel like I can do the same. So I think it's beautiful that there's so much of you in this book, because that's where we actually 
I think that's the framework is really strong and powerful and life-changing. I started using it myself, even coaching you. I, I started using a lot of the values first framework in my life, but I think that the story is really where this book shines. Thank you. And I feel like, I don't know, I learned this from you. Like all of these things are almost played out as like different characters. So now that I'm taking a step back, like you can see like early career, Laura and all the things that she did and then mid career, Laura, and then just the, the growth and learning, because let me tell you, I have put some missteps in this book, right? You have read it. You have, you have seen it. So I'm vulnerable in this book. I talk about where I I didn't do the right thing sometimes. And to see the evolution has been really great. One of the, one of the things that I was worried about as an introvert, like this is going to be out in the world. Right. So it's easy to write it because it was just like you and me (laughs) until a couple more people read it. But this idea that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a finite point in time and this is what's going to be out in the world. Right. And I'm going to keep evolving. Like I already have since the book is ended. Right. But knowing that, um, I wrote about this evolution, it makes it feel okay. And I hope, and I know that in five, 10 years, when I read this, I'm going to say, oh my goodness, I'm even more evolved, hopefully, (laughs) and have learned so much. And I might have different perspectives on different things, but at the time I did what I thought was the best thing. And I can say that I did that in this book, Um, but I learned and I'm going to continue to learn. So it's been, it's been really interesting to, to write it, to get it out. But I, I am going to tell you, I, as an introvert, it terrifies me also (laughs) because I was vulnerable and authentic in it. Right. How did it feel as an introvert writing it? I mean, we can guess how it feels as an introvert getting it out there in the world, right? Like scary and, and all the things you just said, but what did it feel as an introvert writing it? What did the process feel like to you? I loved it. It was, you know, the process was, it worked so well for me. And that was the process of your writing program. And what worked was the first version, which I included, you know, some of those journaling things that we had talked about that I had written in the pandemic, but, and this was also during the pandemic that I wrote the rest of it. The pandemic has been forever. I think we're still in it, but, um, and so the, the first thing was just getting it out from my mind to the page was, um, it was kind of freeing actually. And, and because there's no expectations on it, I think you, the, the remit was, write 40,000 words of crap, like just write 40,000 words and it's not going to be good. It's going to be horrible actually. And so that gave me the freedom of no expectations, right? My big, I'm an achiever, right? So I was like, oh, I'm hitting the deadline. And I did. And, um, and also it's horrible um, because that was the remit. That was what I was supposed to do, but it's hilarious how much uh, it's obviously in a different version, very much edited, but Um, how much of that original version is still in it. I think so much about you as an overachiever and what it means to take on, you know, there are so many people out there who, who can write a book in a weekend, right? You can just like bust out a book, but the process of, of bringing creativity back into your life was really beautiful watching you as an overachiever, take seriously the breaks and take seriously the permission 
to write crap because I don't think that if you had sat down to try to write a good book, you would have had such a powerful life-changing book because all you had to do was get out what you were feeling and thinking for the first draft. That's where these stories came from. And yes, they're a very polished version. You've had, you know, 10 drafts and professional editors, myself included, has gone through the book with you and you have your, you know, your publishing house going through the book with you. But the stories remained and I don't think they would have been there if you had started out trying to make this a great book, right? That pressure of it. And so instead what it became was this really beautiful, authentic book where you poured your heart and soul into it, almost from a place where a vulnerability where, I mean, in that first draft, especially no one was going to see it. So you were able to be more vulnerable. And I'm proud of the courage it took to keep that vulnerability in for later drafts too. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with you, this idea of the vulnerability and then also to be very much taking breaks where I needed to. And you were my guide through that, this idea of, you know, Hey, write this and then step away from it. Like we had periods of time of rest on purpose where I learned to do that from you. Um, and that was like a different kind of boundary that I didn't know that I needed, right. To step away from that content take a break. And I think it was called the gathering phase, right? Where you like, I'm doing other things. I'm taking more walks. I'm reading other books. I'm doing other things, but I'm also connecting the dots of the content in my book. So that when I was ready for the next draft, I had all these ideas and the creative energy was just so different than if I had been in it all the time. And so then we were able to then come back with the structure and like fit it into a structure that made sense as opposed to enforcing a structure at the beginning, it would have been a completely different book that I probably wouldn't have been as happy with, but this is this book I'm just so proud of. Let's talk about that structure. So I'm really excited about the values first framework because I think that it, it gives us a literal step-by-step checkbook for figuring out if we're living by our values, which has helped me, especially during the pandemic, when I was stuck inside, I live with my, not anymore, but during the pandemic, I lived with my sister and two kids and in a small place and there was not room. And it was hard to live your values when, you know, all you want to do was watch TV all day. And that's fine if that's your value system, but it wasn't mine. So tell me about this framework. Let's talk, let's delve into the framework that we're going to learn in the book. Uh, Absolutely. So values first framework is a framework that I was working with, but not in this specific structure until the book, really. So I've been an executive coach for over 10 years now in different corporations. And um, it's not until recently that I've been out on my own doing this. And so, you know, I've used different assessments and just there's so many tools out there. But what I love about this is just its simplicity. And what I have found is that if you can identify what matters most to you, it can help you clarity of how to spend your time, how to build boundaries around it that'll keep you more motivated to do it, how to build a culture and to lead with your authentic self. And then how to navigate through some of that conflict. And then ultimately um, what the framework does is teaches you how to sustain this thing that you've just built for yourself. So the values first framework kind of does all of that. And I mentioned before, I've kind of always lived a life sort of by my values. And I think if you asked anybody that's ever reported to me or been on my team or that some of this content will be similar, will, will be in line with you know, how I lead. And so that's the framework that I built was the framework that I've used for so many years and then started coaching people on. So it starts with 
your values first, identifying values. Then it, you get into auditing your time. So how are your values showing up? Then we create boundaries through life boundaries to ensure that you're living those. And then um, the next step is uplifting others in terms of creating the culture to motivate and inspire. Then through experiencing conflict, you learn different exercises to uphold your values, to keep your values intact, and then to sustain them. That is such an easy, I love a good acronym first off and like values is the, is the framework itself. I love that. And second, I feel like it's so doable, right? Like, and it includes other people because it doesn't matter if your boundaries and values are respected, if no one else's boundaries and values are respected. Right. So I think it's such a beautiful, simple, easy way that I know I, as somebody who's read this book multiple times, implement in my life. I mean, a simple little thing I started doing after reading your book was I have a box that has my values on it because in your book, you help people identify their values. I put my values on the box and I put my cell phone in the box. So when I go to look, when I want to write, I put my cell phone in that box. So I don't spend the whole time looking at Instagram. And if I go to try to get my phone to look at Instagram, my values are right there in front of my face. And just the simple little ways that you inspire living among your values is really, really beautiful. I'd love to know how you actually use the framework to get your book written. I was always so impressed at how well you kept this boundary of your writing time with your family, even when you had 20,000, you know, you started a new business and you were writing a book and you were in the pandemic teaching your kids. Like that was so much happening at once. How did you use this framework to actually get your goals achieved and your values, um, your boundaries and values respected? Thanks for asking. Yeah, it's it's very meta when I think about it. Like, <laughs> right? I, you were it, living it while teaching it. Yeah, I I was, and I I think it's all about understanding how uh, and mapping it to something that was important to me. Right. So this this book was important to me. Once I kind of make a decision, I'm gonna do it. That's the kind of person that I am. And the way that I did that was I tied it to what's important to me, which the way that I teach others is to tie it to a value and then um, tie a boundary to that. And so to me, this was, this was growth for me, to be honest, I am that lifelong learner and I want to do something new and do something different and building my business was part of it. Right. But learning how to write a book, that's like a whole other thing. Like, oh my goodness, it's a, it, it took a, a lot of other people helping me along the way, like you, like other people in our writing group. And um, I, I built boundaries and I held myself accountable to those through people in my group. And so um, how that mirrors the, the values first framework is I knew that this was one of my values of growth. I looked in terms of my time and tried to figure out where can I live this value. And I set up a boundary in terms of writing it. So I wrote like after the kids went to bed, I wrote, you know, for an hour, I remember like, oh my goodness, how am, how am I going to get through this next thing? And one of the things that you gave us in the program is a, an hourglass and you turn it over and it gives you 30 minutes and you know, by the time I turned it over and I started writing and I would look up the hourglass had emptied and it was an hour through, and I had met my writing goal for the night. 
and it's those little things of chipping away to get it done. The other thing um, that, you know, mirrors the framework is I had accountability. And so within the, within our framework, I talk about, you know, leaning in on peers to help you through. Um, and I call it the catch crew, like who is your crew of people and in writing, that was um, Stephanie and Paige, who are part of my part of the program as well. And we would do writing sprints on Zoom. And we we still do that to this day. We just had a sprint the other day. And so that group just became so instrumental in that. And so uh, to your point, I I did use my own framework to, to even get this goal met. I just think that this is something I want your listeners to listen to because I think and, and I see this a lot in people who come and want to work with me. They want to put a book out on this framework that they have because they have this idea that writing a book is going to build their business, which it will, or they've always wanted to have a book on the shelf. And that feels great, but they don't actually live their values. They don't actually have the personal and professional experience with the framework they want to teach. And you do. And I think that that's so beautiful that you used your framework to write your book and to write this book about your framework and about your life. And I I think that's so beautiful. I'm interested. I love, I love that you and Stephanie and Paige, shout out to Stephanie and Paige, who were also in the Write Your Friggin' Book Already program. I love that you keep doing writing sprints. So you're, you've not only written this book, but so many people would just quit after the book was written and ready to go. I mean, it's coming out April 12th, right? On Houndstooth Press. And so your publisher is releasing it soon. You can't make any changes to it. So what are you doing on these writing sprints? And why have you decided to keep creativity and writing in your life, even after this particular goal is finished? Right now I am sometimes using that writing time. Well, well, first of all, this is, this is my first book, Lauren. This is not my last book. <laughs> yes, correct answer. That's what I was hoping you would say. You so, yeah. So, um, so I have ideas for the next one already that I'm starting to to think about. I also sometimes use that writing sprint time just for other things like book launch activities and and different things like that. But it keeps the time sacred, right? Like those are the kinds of things that I'm doing in that in that time period because I've kept that boundary. Um, because that's important to me because it's part of my values. What is that little kid who made books for people and who dreamt of having a book? What does that little kid think about this? The fact that not only did you write a book, but now you're writing books, you know, your multiple books are going to be coming out. What does that feel like to that little kid that kind of moved on to grad school student and gave up (laughs) this part of their creative life? I think she would be proud to like hold a physical copy. I haven't gotten a physical copy of it yet um, in my hand. So I probably will by the time that this, uh, this episode airs, but I think she would be, she would be proud of, uh, of it. And it it is very different than probably what she would have thought she was going to write about. She probably thought she was going to write about ponies and ballerinas, but (laughs) that's the next book. The next book is all those ponies and ballerinas and their value systems. Maybe we'll see. It's the kid's um, book. Yeah. But um, no, I, I think she would be proud and, and happy that, you know, that there's a tangible thing that you can hold with your hand that's out in the world for others to learn from. And the kind of the business side of me, I just love this idea of scaling and helping and impacting. So my other, you know, my other values that are very much tied to this 
our development, which is development of others. So I scaling this idea and this framework, the idea of it was to make it more accessible. So you don't have to work with me individually or in a group to get access to this content. I want it to, to be available to lots of different people. You don't have to be an executive. You don't have to be in a big job. You could just be starting out in your career or in school. And this is applicable to you. You don't have to have a high powered job to be able to have boundaries. Like anybody can have them and everybody should know what matters most to them. So I really hope that um, lots of people pick it up because that will help me live my values of development and then of advocacy as well. I really love that. Let's talk some fun logistics. So tell us, when is the book coming out? The book is going to be released on April 12th. April 12th, 2022. Awesome. And who's the publisher? The publisher is Houndstooth Press. And how can we get a copy? You can grab a copy in multiple different ways. Easiest is probably on Amazon, or you can go to thecatchgroup.com slash values first, and lots of stuff will be there. And tell me about the launch parties that are going to be happening around it. Yeah, we're going to have lots of different activities. So there's a couple of events, some live events where I'm teaching. There's also going to be an in-person um, event on April 28th in the Dallas area. And then we're also going to do a virtual event in May. That's so exciting. I'm coming to the Dallas area event, so I'm very excited about it. And what kind of bonuses do you have? Particularly tell everybody about that fabulous bonus you just showed me before we started recording. Yeah, I worked with my beautiful graphic designer that she does this beautiful work. Really, really gorgeous. Gorgeous. Um, built a companion workbook. So Amanda Wild built uh, built that from Wild S. So it's over, I think it's over 50 pages of workbook material. That's a companion guide to the Values First book. And that will be available, um, available for free as a download when you buy the book. I love that so much because... It gives you actual tangible, this is something I helped you with when we were writing the book. How do we make it so it's in physically in people's lives? So when you're actually sitting down, you can do the work. You can, you know, you say, go figure out your values and you give me a place to write them down. So I love that you created a companion workbook. I love that it's going to be free for download. And, and I love that it's a way for people to actually work through their own value system. So great. So what's next for you? What this book comes out and you're ready to go. How do you hope to see it in the wild? How do you hope people use it? What is next for this book? I want to hear more about it. I want to interact with people. I hope people are going to use the hashtag values first and tell me how it's impacting their lives. And so we'll, uh, we'll keep connected there. And we'll also continue um, to talking about this about the content on this podcast. Okay. Last thing, I have a question for you. What are three things that got you to actually write this book? Like, what are the three main things that got you to get this idea and story out in the world? Um, I would say accountability. So I'm a coach and I also know that my learning style is I need a coach. So you. <laughs> um, Honored. Thank you. Yeah. Community. 
with the other people in the program. Um, I needed that community because we were all writing different books, but I learned so much from different people in different ways, writing fiction and nonfiction. So I needed that community. Um, and then I would just say support from my own family, right? And so my husband, my kids asking me about how's the book going? How many words do you have? Like all of that, um, them cheerleading me on, the, my sister, like all of them, that support was integral. What's your favorite part of the book? My favorite part of the book that it's done. <laughs> <laughs> valid, valid part, valid, valid point. Um, I just like story. I like how um, I was able to share stories and I really enjoyed writing the detail. Um, so I've had several people ask me if I'd ever written a fiction, if I would ever write fiction book, because some of it is just so detailed in terms of like the, the setting or what I was wearing or whatever it was. So I, I would just say this idea of story within, within it was, it was my favorite part to write. I think my favorite is the intro and you walking in and your rented blazer and you're just describing so well how you feel as someone who's trying to apply to their first job. And I think that's just so great. And then also, I love that you then contrast that to what it was like to be the boss watching somebody come in for their first job and, and that transition. I think the story in it is, is really beautiful watching your own transition that we can see ourselves in as well and help us get to that transition as the reader. Thank you so much. Okay. So if people read your book and they're like, okay, this is awesome, but I want help implementing it. What is the next step for them? I so often read books like this, business books or self-help books, personal development books, and then want to take more action after I'm reading it. So what would you suggest someone do after they read the book? Um, I would suggest that you don't do it on your own, right? So part of the book and part of the framework is to do this with other people to help you be held accountable. You can do that with your own friends, with your own colleagues, with your own peers, or you can join um, one of my programs. And so I have a group coaching program called You Belong in the C-Suite. And um, I invite others to join where we dig into this content, plus lots more build community and try to achieve our goals together. I love that. And I a hundred percent agree with that because I know, I mean, they so, so many studies show that you're in the 90 percentile more likely to have a goal happen if you have accountability and camaraderie. So I love that. And I would agree. I think that one of the ways that I was able to implement the information from this book that I got through osmosis by reading it was, I mean, I didn't even, I was your coach and I still, I can't imagine coaching with you, how impactful that would be. But one of the things that was helpful is I could talk to people about it. I could talk to the other people who'd read your book in the, in our program, I could talk to you. So I agree. Yeah. I mean, you, you just said you wouldn't have even gotten the book done if you didn't have camaraderie and support too. So I think that it can be really easy to go out there and read a book and then think, what do I do now? And I think you're right. The first step anyone should do if they want to take any kind of action is find people to come join you on the journey. Yeah. Well, it has been such an honor to be on this journey with you, to be your book coach, to help you bring this up the mountain. And I hope that you just can enjoy the view from the top here because you worked so hard and put together. It's a beautiful book. It has, it's full of heart and soul, full of your stories, and also full of really tangible, easy to do, but still powerful and impactful action items. And it's just a beautiful book. And I'm honored to have gotten to watch it come into the world. Thank you, Lauren. And um, let's celebrate soon. 
Yes, I'm so excited. And I hope to see all of you at the launch party in Dallas, if you can, or virtually, because we're going to celebrate this book being out and we want you to be a part of that. Thank you so much. And a last reminder that you can get yourself a copy of Values First, how knowing your core beliefs can get you the life and career you want from Houndstooth Press on Amazon or on thecatchgroup.com. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you're helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.